Hey, hey, lovebirds. Welcome to the For Richer Poor podcast. We are so excited for today's episode. Before I started doing financial counseling with the Air Force, I actually did housing counseling for a HUD agency. And I love housing. There's so many ins and outs and, you know, best practices, but there's also a lot of slime balls out there. And so today's episode is with one of our good friends, Tari, and he has been in the housing market for years. And he's someone that I would send any client to, to help them through this process. So let's get started. All right. So thank you so much, Tari, for being with us today. You're welcome. We are very excited, and I know there are tons of people that are just trying to figure out this whole home buying thing, and there's so many ins and outs, and it can get very complicated very quickly. Very, very true. Very true. So we are happy to have you here with your expertise um, <laughs> to help guide us through this. So what is your story, light. and what do you do? Well, I like to think my story is very interesting. What I do now is I'm, I'm kind of, what well, I would say, semi-retired realtor, um, but um, I always enjoy talking to people about home ownership and about buying a home, whether um, it's your very first home or your last home or a move-up home. I actually started out at Broadway Corporation, a not-for-profit, and I became a certified housing counselor through HUD, through, through them. And so I've always had an interest for people in the homes, and I had to decide if that was uh, if, if that was architecture or real estate, and because of my, my math, I, I chose real estate. It was safer for me. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but um, I, I left, and I spent uh, about a year, year and a half in Dallas, and I was offered a, a job to work uh, with a lender, and I thought it would be a good opportunity, but it was, it just, it didn't work out, and so I saw a couple months, like, the lending side is not for me. I don't really want to be behind a desk all day, <laughs> and I just don't yep. um, vibe with the lending world. And so I said, this is a good time to actually go into real estate school. So <gasps> I went to real estate school in, in Dallas, and I was trying to decide if I want to stay in Dallas or not, or if I want to come back to Albuquerque. The stars aligned, and I came back to Albuquerque, actually. I started selling general real estate with uh, Exit Realty, and so I spent uh, five years in general real estate. And then an opportunity came for me to work a new home sale in the middle of the housing bubble, 2008-2009. And I had a childhood friend, Pira, and she was the new home sales agent for a community up here in the Heights. And, um, her and her husband found out that, th that they were having twins. Oh boy. <laughs> and so... Um, so she said, Tari, I think you'd be great at new home sales. You know, you should apply. She, she, she said, you can have my position, though. And so I applied, and they hired me for new home sales. Mm. And so, so from there, I started with the Syntex brand. We were actually short-staffed for our um, communities um, up in Santa Fe. So I initially thought I was going to be working in Albuquerque, and there was like three openings for people in Santa Fe. So and I spent the next three years up in Santa Fe selling homes. Santa Fe... Um, it's a different market. It's a different market than Albuquerque, and affordable housing is very scarce, you know, in Santa Fe. So the houses we built uh, sold um, very quickly the whole time I was there, and so it was a good eye opener for me to see how real estate is different from one city to another, and also how the realtors uh, differ from one city to another. When I left Santa Fe. I was placed in Los Lunas. So here I am now today, you know, having conversations like this. So I've, I've sold in different markets, different cities. And so I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen a lot. And so 
I, I always like to be a part of a conversation, especially if someone's going to buy a home, you know, mm -hmm. depending on where they are in life. I, I was 21 when I bought my first house. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time and just kind of had my ducks in a row and, and there was opportunities, so I invested. And so my first house for me was a very great experience and it was a new home and everything came with it, like basic appliances, some some basic window coverings, you know, washer dryer, you know, and so it was new and everything was under warranty. So I, I, I personally like new homes uh, only because they're new and under warranty. However, older homes have their value and character also. You know, so it just kind of depends on what you value, what you like, and kind of where you are in life. Yeah, well, I think that's huge too. So, so when I graduated from Utah State, we were trying to decide where we wanted to end up. I'm from here, Jake's from Sacramento. Yep. And so we decided that we were gonna move to New Mexico because Sacramento is just so dang expensive. Mm -hmm. It is. However, Jake had two stipulations. I was all about, in, in Sacramento, there are trees everywhere. It's so green and so mm -hmm. pretty. I'm mm -hmm. like, I need grass. Uh -huh. I 100% need grass <laughs> in my yard. And the stucco on every single house was gray, brown, <laughs> gloom, doom. Okay. I was like, uh -huh. we need a fun color. We need something with... With excitement, I needed something different. Mm -hmm. So our house, the stucco construction crew called it the crazy blue house. Loco so, blue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the blue that we were going for. It's not. On a on a smaller scale, it dried a different color, and on the bigger entire house, it's it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's different mm -hmm. than what we pictured. Mm -hmm. But hey, we love it, and our backyard has grass, so I'm, I'm happy. Jake's happy here. So how do you help couples who maybe have different opinions yeah. on what they want or how do you form those like non-negotiable items from it'd just be nice to have couples uh just need to be realistic about needs and wants I make a list of things that are absolutely non-negotiables yeah. and then things that um you would like to have yeah. um that's a great question and i also want to share this i i, I would get some of the wants I, I i would get both of some of the non-negotiables in there you know, it's, it's, it's a give and take. It's a give and take. And so I would say keep an open mind and, you know, get some of the wants and non-negotiables from both sides. But let me also say this. Um, most people nowadays uh, under the age of 40, studies have shown um, that uh, it, once you buy one house, you're going to go on to buy four more. And so that, that, that's from my um, um, housing counselor background. And so when you look at studies today and the stats, you know, most people under the age of 40, um, once they buy one house, they'll probably go on to buy four more in their lifetime. And so today, the average person only stays in their house mainly about seven, eight years before they reinvest. Interesting. And it, it's not, it's, it, it's because life happens. And with the, the younger generations, um, there's been so much... Um, opportunity for work, for family, for technology, for change. And so um, I tell people all the time, you're only going to be in this house five to seven years before you reinvest. And so you may not get everything you want in this first house, but save it for the second house or, or the third house. Okay. And I also, I also tell people, you know, consider the property that you're going to buy or build and what's going on in your life at that time. So. I don't have any animals because they would be neglected. I'm never home, so uh, a big yard is not important to me. You yeah. know, versus my brother, um, uh, he has five acres in Texas, and so 
you know, they have horses and uh, a lake at their house, and, wow. and that, that's just, that, that's him, that, that's not me. And so, you know, as, as time changes, so does your needs and wants, and so, and, and so will your property, you know, so, so keep that in mind also. Absolutely. Oftentimes when people get older, or couples get older, they want to simplify their life. So they, they want a smaller yard, or they want less maintenance, um, or they may want like one less bedroom, um, things of that nature. So uh, see where you are in life at that time, and then that will also help you make a decision about what's important to you in a home. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the things, one of the biggest common mistakes that people make is they don't buy the home that's right for their stage of life. True. You know, having that older couple that buys the big two-story mansion mm-hmm. and their knees go out, you know, mm-hmm. three years in or whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. Or um, the family that's just starting out that buys only the one bedroom but has plans to have kids. Mm-hmm. And then you're sleeping with the baby in the closet. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of have to look at, mm-hmm. like you said, that that seven to eight year time span and think, okay, what's going to happen in these next five to seven years? Can this house or this property accommodate whatever that might be? Mm-hmm. All right, and take that into account. I think that's huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and thinking of that, it's like people want to dream big, they want the house that they pictured. Maybe it's a wraparound porch. Maybe it's I want nice. the little picket fence or, or whatever those those kind of dreams little, are. Like, dreamer over there. We've talked about it, right? <laughs> but what are some some strategies to to think of dreaming big, but also keeping it realistic for, like we said, your situation? You know what? That, that's a great question, and it's almost a, a, a challenge to answer. And this is the reason why, is because people have had different experiences growing up mm. within a community and a home and so it can be very positive it can be very negative and depending on what that looks like will determine what you will value in an, in a home and also a community yeah i, I like the idea of home ownership because i like in, in be, investing and in investments yeah. um i also like to be in a neighborhood that's very um diverse I, I, I'm, I'm a people person, and I, and I, and I value diversity. Yeah. Some people are not. I remember when I was looking for a house in Texas, I told the realtors, I want to be in an area that's diverse. And they kept taking, t- 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 taking me to neighborhoods that only had my uh, color-skinned people. And I'm like, why are they not listening to me? And so, <laughs> it's not diversity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's something to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is, um, depending on how social you are, um, you may not care to know your neighbors. Um, I, I like to know my neighbors. I like to be aware, but I'm not going to be like 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 the new best friend. Um, <laughs> however, let me also say this: you know, every day we're learning something different and something new. And I, I have um, someone that said, you know, I grew up in a very affluent neighborhood in California. And um, they said, we didn't really know, I didn't know what it was like until I was an adult that um, the real world is not like the neighborhood I grew up in California. Mm. And so they said to me, I want my son to grow up in a, um, a less affluent neighborhood because I want my son to know this is what the real world, this is what the world is really like around you. Yeah. And so that was very interesting to me because I had never thought about it in, in those terms. Yeah. And so, that's a really good point. So, like, depending on what, what, what you value or what you're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. or even what makes you feel safe, will determine the community um, and, and the neighborhood and the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I find land development very interesting because um, studies, studies have also shown that when we develop neighborhoods and we put in, in sidewalks and walking trails and parks, that helps build community. Yeah. Whether a house is an older home or a newer home, um, if I move to a different state or different city, especially if I'm looking for a, a, an older home, I might look to see is there a nearby park or walking trails, mm. things of that nature, because I, I really value community. Yeah. Buying a house is definitely super emotional. Right, like let's say you do all your research, you find those non-negotiables, and even some of those wants are luxuries, and this house is perfect, it's within the perfect price range, but we've all heard those horror stories of when a house sale falls through. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your purchase is contingent on someone purchasing your home, Mm -hmm. and that is just heartbreaking. It is, it is, and you're right, uh, uh, investing in your home is very emotional. When you're buying and selling, for, for, so it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for buyers, I, I just have to say, keep an open mind. Right, wrong, or indifferent, things happen for a reason. Yeah. You know, so um, maybe the stars aren't aligning your favor at, the, at this time, but um, do give it your best shot, you know. Um, but, you know, if it's not meant to be, it's just not meant to be. It's true. You know, keep an open mind as far as budget. You know, you might spend a little, a little bit less than you... Uh, anticipated, or you might spend a little bit more, but you know, keep an open mind for budget. Or keep an open mind for things like um, distance from work if you work outside the mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Uh, distance from school if you have kids you're taking to school, or or like if you're in school yourself. Yep. Um, you know, so keep an open mind about all of that. I sure. would say. And let me let me also say this: just like no one's perfect, there's not the perfect house. Yeah. Um, yes, we can do a custom built house, but. Even when we have a custom-built house, there's things I wish I would have done differently as a builder, and also things I wish I would have done on when I built my last house. And so there, there is no perfect house. We, we can try and get as close as possible, but just know that there is no perfect house. And so also, like, keep an open mind, an open mind about that also. And so uh, you can try and get all of your wants and needs, but um, if you don't get 100%, you know, I think 80% is good. Yeah. Well, yeah. and your life circumstances are going to change too. So even True. if you, you're conceptualizing that like it's perfect right now, it may not be perfect in 3, 5, 50, 20 years, right? whatever that looks like. That's true. That's true. You know, you might have uh, that big, beautiful two-story with wraparound porch, but is it going to be big and beautiful again when you're aging and everything hurts to walk up the stairs? <sighs> that's right? true. Not anymore. Or when your kid falls down the stairs and breaks their arm. Yeah. Like, it's just... Your bedroom's downstairs and the kids are upstairs. Mm-hmm. You yeah. gotta... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like, perfect doesn't exist. Yeah, and so, looks like, keep up in mind. And on that note, like, an example, when um, families are young and kids are young, um, a, lo- a lot of times parents will want the kids' bedrooms to be close to them. But when they're teenagers, they want them on the other side of the house because <sighs> they don't want to hear them playing video games or their drum set or the piano playing or them on the phone at night or something like that, you know. So uh, the, the, the flow of the house or the design of the house also makes a difference where you're at in life also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Good point. Um, you me Peyton's room is going to be right next to ours. <laughs> no one is coming in and out of that window, and I'm going to know about it. <laughs> Dang straight. <laughs> And so, you know, my house now, like, my bedroom is off of the living room. But I have a two-story house, and my bedroom is downstairs. And my next house, I just want more privacy, um, you know, away from, like, a, like, like a living room or, like, a den or something like that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So when we 
redid this house. We actually built in a door frame right here, almost in between these two pictures. Uh-huh, okay. Because the thought is that one day when we regain that space, right, we could just put a door here, mm-hmm. we'd close that off maybe, or, you know, leave it open and have like a formal living room mm-hmm. and our bedroom. And I'm like, why would I put my bedroom door right off the living room? Like, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. So, you know, things change, yeah. right? Like, yeah, they change, yeah. I do want yeah. more privacy. I want to have to walk around and not walk out into everyone being here, you know, yeah. if I need to hey, get yeah, something. <laughs> so that, that's a, a good point that yeah, you know, things evolve yeah. and yeah. what change. works now may not work later. You might want to just tweak a little bit. Yeah. So I like that. You have a very unique background where you come from the nonprofit world, where you come from, you know, that fiduciary area, and you all know what fiduciary means, right? Just say it again. It's fun. Um, I mean, that that person's not going to be a douche, uh, but you don't find that in all aspects of the home buying process, right? You have some people, their commission is based off of what you buy, right? That, Correct. That 100%. lender. How do you make sure you're choosing good professionals that even if they don't have that standard are still going to have your best interest? You know what, that, that, that's a great question. And sometimes it's easier said than done, but you know, um, referrals go a long way. You know, if you have a friend or a friend member or a cousin who had a great experience, you know, try and use who they had. Um, that's number one. Number two is, um, you know, st- still go with your gut instinct. If you feel something's not right, or if you feel like your question's not getting answered, dig deeper until you get the answer that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and hold people accountable. You know, oftentimes people are not professional in their industry, and it's a shame, but because the home buying process is so emotional, ask questions, you know, and, and, and verify, you know, the answer. Um, but I would say, let's still, go, let's still go with your gut, your gut feeling. And then two, you know, ask your realtor what the experience was like buying their first home. Or ask your lender what it was like when they got their first loan on a house, that kind of stuff. And, you know, ask the home inspector or ask oh, a contractor, like, things they like, like they would consider or reconsider, like, things of that nature. So I would say, you know, ask a lot of questions. Um, what are some questions you'd ask? What are some questions I would ask? <laughs> I would ask um, why a particular uh, realtor chose a particular neighborhood or area. Um, I would ask realtors um, what builders they admire or what builders they would maybe be concerned about. Mm. On the lending side, um, I would say get three different payment options, A, B, and C, um, and see which one works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, unfortunately, in, in, in the real estate world, and I, and I would say also in the banking world, those industries, they don't tell you unless you ask. Mm. I think the other thing also to remember is that these professionals work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to ask those questions, mm-hmm. even if it's awkward and even if it's uncomfortable. And it's okay to say no. So something that happened with us when we were purchasing this home, well, two experiences. I was working as a HUD housing counselor at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I had lots of clients come in with their housing documents. Mm-hmm. And I was helping them review it, just making sure everything was good. We got to the last page and it didn't belong to them. And so I let them know, like, hey, this has the wrong names on it. Like don't sign this, you need to go back to your lender mm-hmm. and, and get the proper documentation. Mm-hmm. So that was experience number one. Then when we went to purchase our home, I went to our three lenders, right, doing our due diligence mm-hmm. and making sure we were getting the best deal. And um, I did the application online. Then I get a, a an email that says, you're denied because of your credit. You have too much debt. I'm like, 
we don't have any debt. Have like, no debt. <laughs> like this home, you know, we have a credit card. We've been building our credit score, mm. but we don't carry any debt. And so I called them. I said, hey, you know, I'm just curious if you can provide me with the documentation that you use because legally they have to provide you with the copy of the credit report that they mm-hmm. use. So yeah. I, you know, I called and I said, can I get a copy of that? And long story short, they were giving me someone else's information. And so I told them, I said, look, this is what I do for a living. I work as a HUD housing counselor. I, this is what I do, right? This is my expertise. And I need to talk to a manager because this is a pretty big deal. And their only explanation to me was, oh, I'm really sorry. It must've been the perfect storm. I said, no, you don't understand. This has happened to multiple clients that have come into my office I'm incredibly concerned, not only because you gave me someone else's wrong information, exactly. but where's my information? Yeah. Like, what are you doing with ours? And they actually, at the time, had the best deal. And, you know, so we walked away because our information security was way more important than, well, you yeah. know, that quarter percent from difference. Yeah. So that was the first experience. And then the second one, once we finally found our lender, we were, gosh, a few weeks out from closing and she called and said, hey, you know, I could just qualify you for a line of credit right now and just roll in the closing costs and it's not a big deal and blah, 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 you know, all the stuff because we have a pretty good amount of equity in our home. And I said, you know, I think that's okay. We just renovated everything. There really should be no reason why we need to have this line of credit. Yeah. And she says, oh, well, you know, you'll find a reason why you need it. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> Hold up. (laughs) No, no, no. You don't just find a reason to use the equity in your home. Like, the equity in your home is like a precious little gem that you only use for certain things. Yeah. And at this point, you know, we were so close to closing, but she called several times and I'm like, lady, you gotta stop. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to have those hard conversations and be like, and stick to your guns. Like, I understand you may have had a client where it was helpful and they moved in and they had to replace their roof. We just replaced our roof. You know, that wasn't our situation. That was rough. I I don't think they actually like read our application either when I said that I was a financial counselor. I don't think they did. I I don't, I don't think they did. You know, I, um, yeah, lenders, um, in in the whole process, I would say, yeah, go, go with your gut instinct and and ask questions and verify. Yeah. 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 It's best to be educated, to know what you're doing, mm-hmm. and to try and stick mm-hmm. on the right path instead of mm-hmm. go down all the mm-hmm. the shots and shoots that mm-hmm. people tell you to go down. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I can appreciate about being a housing counselor first is that, again, studies show that when you go through those classes or seminars or you get that help, you are less likely to foreclose on your house mm-hmm. and you can help someone else later on down the line. That's mm-hmm. what I appreciate about the non-profit, the nonprofit sector and that world. Cool. And the housing counselors, because you you're educated, and so if life gets rough, you know what tools to use and what decisions you you, you can make. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we are huge advocates for being proactive rather than reactive. Mm-hmm. And people think, oh well, my mom bought a house, I can just get advice from her. But like you mentioned, laws and rules change all the time. So that's a good point. So my parents, when they bought their last house where they are now, had a horrible, horrible experience. Um, I don't think that, I don't think they would ever buy another house again if it wasn't for me being in real estate, because my experience in homeownership has been totally different from theirs. I've had great experiences, yeah. and so that, that, that's a great point, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think also recognizing or just getting more information about the programs that are available to you. Um, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm never going to foreclose. Well, you know, no one ever foresaw COVID coming and exactly the unemployment that we're seeing. And I always tell people, I can't predict the future, but we don't know the fallout yet of COVID. That's very true. You know, with, that, true. with that mortgage moratorium, people still aren't making their home payments. Mm-hmm. One, that can't stay on there forever, that, you know? Exactly right. So you just never know what life is going to toss at you, even if you are trying to be as prepared as possible. Mm-hmm. And not even that, but through these classes, we would connect people with community partners who are doing you know, energy efficiency checks and offering mm-hmm. grants and free money to upgrade your windows if they need to be mm-hmm. or your insulation or whatever that looks like that can save you money. And one of my halfway joking uh, <laughs> tips or points is that one of the keys to becoming a millionaire is taking advantage of free stuff. You know, like it, it's something you don't have to pay for. So why would you not want to be as educated about the helping community around you as possible. That's a very good point. So here's a question, and I know, you know, contracts vary, but let's say you like hire this realtor, they have all these like big promises, and then they're just a total dud. What options might you have? Because, you know, firing your lender, that's relatively easy. How do you like fire your realtor? Well, you know, (laughs) that's a great question. Um... It can be done, and and I'll say this: it should be done if you if you don't have that connection. You know, mm-hmm. you have a certain expectation, and they have a, a certain expectation. So it, it can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the realtor is not doing things that they, that they promised, then you know, uh, ask them about it. Maybe there was a misunderstanding, um, but if, if but, but if it's clearly they're not doing their job, then just go a different direction. Yeah. Um, and, and also, on the flip side, as realtors, we've, we've, we've also um, fired clients also. Like, like, if I go to sell a house and you're not going to make your house presentable, I can't do my job. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, as a realtor, when you, when you sell your property, I, I, I will give you pointers or we, we should give you pointers of things that will make it more attractive yeah. or, um, yeah, make it more attractive. But if you don't do that as a seller, um, there's only so much we can do. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I, I would say um, it, it can be done, and sometimes it, 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 may, it may just just have to happen, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think sometimes. So Kara was selling her house um, just this last year, mm-hmm. and it was just a terrible experience. The realtor would show up an hour late, you know, to the open house, and wouldn't be there, and wouldn't show the house, and just you know, it was one thing after the other. And um, I know sometimes people will stay with their realtor. Who isn't providing what they need to because they don't want to have to pay you know, like a break contract fee or pay the photos and everything else right that they've already invested into the property but at the same time time is money right? it is so it is. you could wait the additional five months or six months or whatever your contract is when you could just pay those upfront fees get a new realtor and make your investment back quicker so it's definitely um, a toss-up as to what might be better. True. That's one way to look at it. Depending on the realtor's position, um, like now in Mexico, you know, you have, we have qualifying brokers and associate brokers. So if it's an associate broker not performing, you can call their qualifying broker and say, hey, um, I need X, Y, and Z per our contract. 
and a qualifying broker can talk to the associate broker. Mm. That, that's, one, that's one scenario. Mm -hmm. um, or you can stay with them. Or, again, go through that in instinct and say, you know what, this is, this, is not, this is not working for us. We just need to go in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yep. Good point. So again, just remembering like these professionals work for you. There's always a solution. But as I like to say, and I think this is becoming a trend in our episodes, you just got to put your big girl and your big boy panties on and do it sometimes, you know? So something else that I see pretty frequently as a financial counselor now and you know, previously doing housing is that people will build up an emergency fund and when we go to purchase the home, you're like, okay, what are you going to use for your down payment? And that, well, I have this, you know, this emergency fund. That is always a huge red flag to me that, well, that's the emergency. It does not have the title of down payment fund. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely things that we need to look for and budget for pre and post purchase of a home. Um, have there been any scenarios or situations you've seen where you're like, okay, maybe we should strategize this differently or thought about our finances differently? Uh, great question. Um, definitely one should st stick to a budget. And we all know uh, easier said than done nowadays. Um, but number one, you should be sticking to a budget and be realistic about your budget. Um, you know, I I'm a foodie. I'm going to spend more money on food than probably you would. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but you know. Um, but yeah, be realistic about your budget. Um, that's one. Number two is, especially for renters coming into the homeownership arena, you have to make your rent payments on time. <clears throat> I was sat in one time in Santa Fe where I had a family and um, they um, were late on one of their payments. And they had already given notice at their uh, apartment complex where they were living. Uh, they had already reserved the moving truck, and the lender denied them the loan because they were late. And so you have to be consistent with your rent payments. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing the builder can do. There's nothing the, real, the realtor can do. The lender has the, fi the final say-so. So, uh, you know, uh, make sure that your payments are on time on your, your other bills, your, your credit cards, your student loans, your, your car payment, whatever that is, before you go into that. Because you, you don't want that to uh, hold up your homeownership dream. Um, that, that's, that's one. Um, I think just to add on to that is something that people don't realize is that even though you, know, you have that whole loan process going, they're going to verify everything before closing and after closing. True, true. You know, just because you sign the papers until that mortgage is fully funded mm -hmm. and recorded, true. it's not a done deal. True. And I had another sibling who purchased a home they closed on, you know, it was like a Thursday or Friday. He quit his job. No, so it must have been a Thursday. He quit his job Friday. They didn't get the house because they double verified it before it was all done on Monday. Yeah, verification of, of employment, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so keep that stuff consistent and make sure you're still making your freaking payments on time. <laughs> it's a big deal. So, um, so yeah, um, uh, you know, to add to that, um, as far as budgeting goes, when you're first buying your first property, your first home, uh, and again, be realistic about your budget. Um, um, I always tell first home buyers, you don't need the big mansion on the hill. You just don't need that. Um, start out basic, start out small, or start out 
start out with a property um, um, that meets your needs. And then as time goes on, you can upgrade or downgrade or, or you know, what have you. But, um, you know, you don't, if you're, if you're building a home, you don't, you don't, you don't need the, the most expensive carpet or tile or fixtures like that kind of stuff. You know, just get common or basic, you know, and then things you can do on your own or things that can be uh, renovated, you know, do that as time goes on, though. But, um uh, don't 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 go over budget trying to impress someone. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, the Joneses yeah. suck and they're yeah. broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So keeping your budget in mind, you know what feels comfortable in like a monthly payment. Mm-hmm. Your lender is qualifying you off of calculations, off of debt, off of income. You know all these things, and they might give you a number that makes you feel really uncomfortable as far as that monthly payment you don't have to take that monthly payment, right? That's kind of your maximum, your cap. You can choose something that's lower. Um, good point, and you're 100% right. It's a calculation, and uh, oftentimes they're gonna calculate on the high end. Mm-hmm. And you don't really want to invest on the high end because things may happen, you know. Um, things happen when you least expect it, you know. So, again, go with what your comfort comfort level is, you know, in that monthly payment, yeah. Um, that, that's my advice. My other advice is when it comes to loans, you know, there's the, there's the fixed interest rate, there's variable interest rate, you know. Uh, they, they both have their place, but when you stick into a budget, I would say stay with the fixed interest rate. Um, unless you're an investor or unless this is not your first rodeo, then maybe look at a variable interest rate. But um, they both have their, their place. And they're both good, depending on what, what, what you're trying to accomplish, you know. Yeah. So, um, so just educate yourself in the different processes of homeownership or different things going on. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, it's more predictable. The other thing I don't think a lot of people realize is because you always hear, oh, I want to buy a house because I don't want my payment to go up, right? Like rent consistently goes up. Mm-hmm. Your mortgage payment can still fluctuate and change. Mm-hmm because of taxes and insurance, mm-hmm. right? So if we get that fixed rate, then your principal and your interest, that's gold, that's set mm-hmm. for the you know terms of the loan. Mm-hmm. But also don't forget that your property value might change mm-hmm. and that's gonna affect your taxes mm-hmm. and that insurance. And that your insurance is something you can shop around for, but on the taxes part, you should always be checking in um, with your county tax assessor to make sure there aren't any exemptions. When we first bought the house, they had exemption on there, and then for whatever reason, they took it off, and our payment went up, and all it took was one form filled mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. faxed back to them, and it was taken care of. So mm-hmm. making sure that we're keeping on track with that. Post-purchase, we always see that people want to like fully furnish their house, obviously for good reason, mm-hmm. even if maybe they already have the furniture, right? It's nice to have new, shiny things. And making sure that we don't dip into our reserve funds to furnish that house, but that it's another line item. Because now with home ownership, you're responsible for all those repairs. And every home has its quirks, even if you get a home inspection. True. That's very true. <laughs> um, I guess at that point, again, going back to your budget, I would say stick to your budget as far as um, trying to furnish a home. Uh, me personally, if I don't have the cash for it, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. I just... That's, that's, that's what I've learned in life. Um, there's no point in me financing it, having another bill, another payment, 
Um, that's, that's kind of my rule of thumb. So I, I love when people have a housewarming party because that's the time to ask for a furniture or a clock or dishes or, or, or something for the home. So yes. I always tell people, have a housewarming party because it's like a free birthday. You get free <laughs> gifts. And so that's when you want to try and get freebies from, um, um, from other people, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you want nice things for your home you, and you want things that are comfortable. But um, keep that in mind also when you're buying a home. So, you know, if you have to cut back on <clears throat> eating out or you know, uh, maybe get uh, maybe like a more affordable gym membership or um, or any way you can save, you know, save it there and then save up for your furniture, your bed, bedroom set or living room set or dining room set or something like that. Yeah. 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 Being smart with what you have and what you want. If you're able to to figure out those things, you, you're a lot better off. Mm -hmm. You're a lot better off to make those hard decisions mm -hmm. when you don't know which way you want to go. Mm hmm. It, it mm -hmm. absolutely can mm -hmm. can pay off. Yeah. When Jake and I got married, his grandpa, we were having this little chat just, you know, about our new apartment and all these things and how pretty much all of our furniture, and even now, the only thing we've ever bought new that we paid for is this couch. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because, you know, our table, we bought off of classifieds and I reupholstered the seats and I, oh. you know, restained and repainted. And I love our table. I happen to think it's freaking beautiful. <sighs> you know, and you would never know that I paid a hundred bucks for it. I, would I think. Know, yeah. You know? And so he told us, he said, now is not the time to be prideful. And that has stuck with us the last five years that even though we are in this position where we are homeowners, it still is not the time to be prideful. You don't have to have the new shiny thing just because maybe you have the money for it. Mm -hmm. right? We can always and um, be more productive with our money. Um, and of course, it's where your priorities lie. Right? Yeah. For some people, having the new furniture is a priority. Great. Then that's where we do adjust that budget. Otherwise, um, you know, maybe be a little bit more resourceful. Yeah. I like that. All right. What are some common mistakes people make when purchasing their home? And how can we avoid that? That's a great question. <laughs> and I wish more people would ask that. Um, <laughs> Number one, st stick, stick to a budget that's comfortable for you and realistic. Um, number two, keep an open mind, you know. Um, ask questions of family members, friends, coworkers, and you'll be surprised at what they'll share with you if you just ask. And they may save you some hardship, they may save you some money down the road, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And building that network, everyone has experiences. They do. I, there's no reason to learn the hard way or try and go through life with just your own wisdom and knowledge like yeah. reach out to people mm -hmm. you know like you said people are so willing to share if you'll just ask yeah. true but true generally speaking we as a society which again my goal is to change this we don't <laughs> talk about these things yeah. for whatever reason it's and too uncomfortable i'm too prideful i know everything mm -hmm. i can get it done myself mm -hmm. yeah so just open your mouth ask mm -hmm. the questions mm -hmm. and, and people are going to help you out there that's Watch true opportunities come yeah, and jump on opportunities when they come, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so one of the reoccurring themes throughout this entire podcast is figuring out your budget, knowing it, loving it, living it, and being really comfortable. Of course, that's something that I'm more than happy to you know, discuss with you and talk about. However, if you're more of an in-person type person, there are HUD centers wherever you are, I guarantee you, and this is part of taking part in those free resources. There are housing counselors 
literally waiting for you to walk in their door and make their day to ask them these types of questions. So you can find that on the HUD website. Just do a quick Google search. Some communities are a little bit easier to you know, access those resources than others, and they might have more additional programs. But again, you don't know what you don't know until you know that you didn't know it. So reach out to those professionals that have that fiduciary standard, that have your best interests in mind, and start to build that network as you start on this journey. So treat any parting thoughts, anything you want to add? Educate yourself. Uh, ask lots of questions and make it a fun process. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll be surprised and appreciate what you learn, learn along the way. Um, if you're in a smaller um, city or um, town, uh, you, you, you can reach out to a not-for-profit housing agency or HUD. Um, if you're in a larger city, you might want to uh, research a, a CDC, which is a Community, community Devel Development Corporation. Um, they have um, information also. But you know, definitely reach out, take advantage of the resources and what's free. And, and after you, uh, you know, invest or, or buy a property, you know, um, share that information with someone else also. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. Love yeah. it. Spread the love, right? <laughs> All right. Beautiful. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thanks for the invite. Yes. yes. No, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. You guys, wasn't that so good? Oh, we just love Tari, his personality, his energy, and I know that you are so excited to be purchasing a home. Whether this is your first home and you, you and your spouse are finally putting down roots, maybe starting a family, starting a new adventure, or maybe we are moving on into different phases of our life. The housing industry is constantly changing. I mean, even within 2020, there have been so many new processes and developments because of COVID that just weren't here a year ago. And so we hope you enjoyed this episode of the For Richer or Poorer podcast. If you like this, take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram. We love to see that you guys are listening and we love your feedback.